0: In recent messages, I, I've talked to you, uh, it seems like more and more frequently about getting older. And I'm guessing that the older you get, the, the more that topic tends to be on your mind. So I guess that's my excuse. The truth is, a, a lot of good things happen as we age. We gain more experience and hopefully more wisdom, we may have greater appreciation for God's blessings. We don't take things for granted, specifically our loved ones and our health. Of course, there are a few not so good things about growing older. Our minds don't work as well. Our bodies get tired easier. I know there's a few people that worked outside here at church yesterday whose bodies are a little bit tired. Um, And our health can fail. And one of the things that often fails is our eyesight. One of the things that can happen is cataracts can develop with age. And cataracts are certainly not a joy of getting older. I have to admit, it was kind of a a slow week at church, and so I found a little time on my hand. And so, for some strange reasons, I did some research on cataracts. And so I'm going to answer a few questions about cataracts. Cataract questions that maybe you've always wondered. But more likely ones that you already know the answer to. My information source was the Mayo Clinic. The first question is, well, what is a cataract? Well, a cataract is a clouding of the lens of your eye. For people who have cataracts, seeing through the cloudy lens is a, a bit like looking through a frosty or fogged up window. How does a cataract form? Well, before we have a cataract, the lenses in our eyes produce a sharp, clear image on the retina. And the retina is a light-sensitive membrane at the back of our eye that functions a little bit like film in a camera. As we age, the the lenses in our eyes become less flexible, less transparent, and thicker. And as I was just saying that, that's kind of true in general. We get older, we get less flexible, and we get thicker. But the tissues in the within the lens start to break down and they clump together, clouding small areas within the lens. And those clouds are cataracts. And as the cataract continues to develop, the clouding becomes denser and involves a bigger part of the lens. A cataract scatters and, and blocks the light as it passes through the lens, preventing a sharply defined image from reaching your retina. Some of the symptoms of cataracts are clouded or blurred or dim vision increasing difficult with night vision, needing brighter light for reading and other activities, are fading, are yellowing colors. And the cure, and many of you know this, is surgeries often performed to remove the clouded lens and replace it with a new clear artificial lens. And after cataract surgery, people have told me this. Some, one person said it was like someone turned a light on. Everything was brighter. Another person said, colors became more vivid. I didn't realize how dull everything had gotten. And then a third person said, it's wonderful to not have to wear glasses anymore. The world is brighter, sharper, and more colorful. Now you might be wondering why you just got a lesson on cataracts. I'm kind of wondering the same thing myself. No, actually, actually, in some ways what happens to our vision with cataracts is what can happen to our outlook on life. For some, the longer we live, the, the darker our souls become. The world dims our view. We become very cynical. Others succumb to the darkness. They might even contribute to the darkness of the world. If you look at them, they look exactly like the world. Their hearts are filled with darkness. And the fact is, it's easy to succumb to darkness because we're surrounded by darkness. As those who follow Christ, we're not to give in to the darkness. Instead, we live in the light because we know the light of the world. And his name is Jesus. Listen to these very sharp but incredible words of Jesus from John chapter 8, verse 12. John wrote this. He said, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John's first words in this verse are, Again, Jesus spoke to them. Again. If you were here a couple weeks ago, Pastor David talked about the the Feast of the Tabernacles in John chapter 7. And by saying again in our verse, John is letting the reader know that Jesus is still speaking to us in the context of that festival. And one of the great events of that feast or festival was the lighting of four great candelabras. And each one of them had four golden bowls filled with oil. And the light from those 16 bowls illuminated the temple. The candelabras may have been lit every night of the festival. But at the end of the celebration, the candelabras would have been extinguished. And against that resulting darkness, Jesus made the statement I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. This was the second of seven I am statements made by Jesus in the Gospel of John. And if you were here several weeks back, you remember the statement, I am, would have reminded the Jewish people of God speaking to Moses from the burning bush. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And when Jesus said, I am, he was declaring his deity. Jesus was saying, I am God. And of course, the religious leaders of that time and many others were not at all happy with Jesus saying that. Specifically, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he was proclaiming himself to be the revealer of God. Jesus was God in the flesh. To look at Jesus was to look at God. In the beginning of our service, we heard the words from Psalm 27.1. They said, the Lord is my light. And my salvation. Isaiah 9 2 adds meaning to the Lord being light when it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Commentator Richard Phillips states, He said, Light depicts the, the coming of God with saving light. Jesus came to a world filled with darkness, Jesus is the saving light. Actually, 16 times in the Gospel of John, we see light being used to describe Jesus. It's making it clear that Jesus, is he's the only remedy for the world's darkness back then and still today. It's only through Christ that we're saved. And so we're going to spend the next 15 or so minutes looking at Jesus' words in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And those words remind us of the destructive nature of darkness. The the problem with artificial light and the true light, the revealing light of Christ. Darkness, darkness is destructive. Richard Phillips points out several of the characteristics of such darkness. The first thing is, is darkness is spawned out of ignorance. Psalm 82.5 reads, They have neither knowledge nor understanding, they walk about in darkness. Ecclesiastes 2.14 reminds us, The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, If your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If the light in you is darkness, then how great is the darkness? And I always find it amazing that those who believe that they are the most enlightened can often be the greatest fools. They see truth in themselves. They see truth in the world. They see truth in other people. And they don't need God. And they might be very smart by the world's standards. But their ignorance is revealed by what they miss. They miss the revelation of God. Not only does, is darkness spawned by ignorance, darkness destroys through evil. John three nineteen and 20 says, People love the darkness rather than the light because their words were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work should be exposed. Proverbs 4.19 says the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. And if you think about it, evil likes to hide in the dark. Evil likes to hide in the dark both figuratively and very practically. Most crimes, most of them, still happen at night. Bad guys don't like to be seen what they're doing. When your teenager stays out till 3 a.m., you might suspect nothing good is happening. And I have to tell you that parents and grandparents know that because we were once teenagers. Our secret sins are often kept in the dark. We hide them, hoping that nobody else will see them. Darkness also breeds fear. When darkness obscures our vision, we can be afraid. We can't see the end of the coronavirus pandemic. There's uncertainty there, and that uncertainty often creates fear. It's a normal response, but throughout the pandemic, I hope you've remembered one thing that we've said over and over again, is that we are to have faith over fear. Have faith. Employ caution and know that God is still in control. I remember as a a child being afraid of the dark. I always had a a nightlight in my room. When the room was pitch black, I was certain that something was hiding in my closet to get me. But with the nightlight, I could see that the only things in my closet were shoes and some clothes. And the fact is, is often there were more shoes and clothes on the floor of my bedroom than there were hanging in the closet. I also have to confess that being alone in this church building at night, it kind of creeps me out. If you've ever been here in the winter, this building makes all kinds of noises with that boiler running. And so, yeah, I have to confess, I am still afraid of the dark. The destruction of darkness, though, is most visible in death. Every one of us faces physical death. People we love die. We will physically die. And that is horrible. It is painful. But what is worse than physical death is spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from God leading to judgment. Spiritual death affects us today and how we live, but it also lasts for eternity. God is love. God is just. Jesus calls us to come to him, but the fact of the matter is that some people prefer darkness. Unless they choose to turn to Christ, they will face God's righteous, justified wrath. You know, in Matthew twenty-two thirteen, 13, Jesus painted a, a very frightening picture of judgment and evil, of our judgment of evil. When judgment comes, he said, some will be cast out in the darkness. And Jesus said, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we don't like to talk about hell. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes pastors uncomfortable. But the truth is that some people choose hell. In rejecting Jesus, they're choosing hell. It's their choice. They would rather spend eternity in darkness than trusting in the light of the world. And I think we'd all agree that darkness is bad and it's easy to blame others for the darkness in our lives. But that really doesn't work because we, and when I say we, I'm speaking of all of us, are responsible for some of the darkness in the world. Sin brought darkness into creation and our sins today little and big, still contribute to this present darkness. We were created for light. There's something in us that causes us to seek light. And the fact of the matter is, is we can even try to create light on our own. And when we do that, what we really create is artificial light. And when I... From my childhood, I've always been drawn to the to the night sky. We actually just sang about it a little bit. And I love to look at the planets and the stars. And one of my first big purchases that I ever made was to buy a telescope. And then as, as a married guy in my late twenties, I bought a second telescope. I've been told I'm a nerd. I kind of wear that badge with pride. When, when Mary and I first moved to Fenton about 30 years ago, the night sky was still pretty dark. On a, on a calm, clear summer night, you could actually see the Milky Way stretching up from the southern horizon. To turn a pair of binoculars or a telescope on that part of the sky was to see thousands and thousands of stars, beautiful pinpoints of light. Some are white, some have a blue tint, some have a reddish tinge. And when I look at the the sky that's filled with stars, I'm reminded of the majesty and and the power of God because he made those stars. But as time passed, more and more people and businesses moved out to Fenton. The Milky Way disappeared. The artificial light from our homes, from our streetlights, from our cars and businesses washed out the delicate faint light of many of those stars. Artificial light can be good, and yet there are times when it hides the splendor of creation. And not only that, artificial light, man-made light, will never eliminate the darkness of our world. But we try. Technology. Technology is a common artificial light. We would all agree we need a cure for the coronavirus. We also long for a vaccine. A vaccine or a cure would erase the pandemic, and that is awesome, and that is amazing, and that's wonderful. At least until another deadly virus, our illness, shows up. Medicine is so important. Medicine is a gift from God. But medicine can't replace our need for Jesus. Our need for true light. Technology has made communication easier than ever. It's great to be all different places and to be able to talk to your friends and family. And yet I've heard this and I believe it. In some ways our lives are more disconnected than ever. I'm sure you've all witnessed this. A group of people is out to to dinner and instead of talking to each other they stare at their phones. And I have to confess I've done it. And if you think about it, it's rude. We watch TV, play video games, work on our computer instead of talking to each other. Technology can make things better. But it also can make things worse. And technology will never bring lasting light to darkness because technology burns out. It breaks. Tolerance. Tolerance was popular for a while. The idea is if we would just tolerate our differences, things would be better. It's a good idea. It can be helpful, but today tolerance seems to be in very short supply. Sin turned the concept of tolerance into intolerance. See, there seems to be this strange notion that tolerance means if you think the way that I think, I'll tolerate you. Otherwise, forget it. In such thinking... Is so widespread. It's not one group of people. It's, it's all of us, and that's not tolerance. But even when applied properly, tolerance doesn't cast out darkness. And then the last of our artificial lights is enlightenment. Enlightenment even has the, it's got the word light in it. It's got to be right, right? Well, enlightenment is actually the big umbrella under which most artificial light exists. Enlightenment says, if you and I will just grow in our understanding, if we can consider all the possibilities, if we look at the world with an open mind, things will be better. And they can be. But then it goes further and says, well, we can save humanity. We can save the world. We can even save ourselves. And sorry to tell you this, but that ain't happening. Enlightenment can lead to human pride. And it doesn't cast out darkness. There's only one remedy for darkness. It's true light. The revealing light of Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of life. John 1.14 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The next verse continues, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In bringing the, the light of life, Jesus cast out the darkness of death. Jesus said this, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And that goes for our daily living today and for eternity. Christians, those people who have put their trust in Jesus, don't have to walk in darkness. Jesus provides freedom from darkness. Later in John 8, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth sets us free from fear. We don't have to fear today or tomorrow because we know Jesus is with us. He's never going to leave us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to get us through the storm. And heaven is our home. So when this life ends, we know where we're going. We're free from destruction by evil. We're free from the bondage of sin. Yeah, the truth is is that every one of us is still going to sin. But sin doesn't own us. Sin doesn't define who we are. Last week, we saw Jesus forgive that woman who was caught in adultery. She was freed. Her life was spared. She could walk away from that life of sin into new life in Christ. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And Jesus has set us free. We have the knowledge of the light of life. That knowledge defeats the darkness of ignorance. Jesus said in John 14, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And that means that you and I can know the Savior. Through Christ, we have witnessed the mercy, love, and the justice of the Father. We have experienced forgiveness through the cross of Christ. And as a result... We can be Jesus' disciples. And that means we follow Jesus. Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. To follow Jesus is to walk in the light. We have the light of life. There was a singer named Hank. Who saw the light of life, of light, of Christ? Excuse me, saw the light of Christ? Bob Walters has shared Hank's story with our mob, which is the men of Bethesda. Hank was a gifted musician. I understand that he was also a believer in Jesus Christ. Hank always included a gospel music set in all of his concerts. In, in one of his songs, the song that we're going to sing in a few minutes is a, a testimony of faith. Sadly. Much of Hank's life was lived in darkness. Hank was born with spina bifida occulta. It was a spinal birth defect that caused him lifelong pain. And it actually might have contributed to years of alcohol and drug abuse. Hank's dark life of addiction overshadowed his musical success. Alcohol and drugs became his master. They contim- con- uh, contributed to his first marriage ending in divorce. The alcohol and drugs also ended his life. Hank Williams died at the age of 29 in the backseat of his car. The cause of death was recorded as heart failure caused by alcoholism and prescription drug use. Hank saw the light of Christ, but he struggled to walk in the light. Sadly, no one, not a single person, is immune from battling darkness. Darkness is a trap, and when you get trapped by darkness, escape may seem impossible. If you or or someone you know is struggling with darkness know that Jesus is the only solution. He enters our life when we put our trust in Him. It's a lifelong journey. And the road isn't always easy. But through Christ, you and I can escape darkness. A good Christian friend can help us. Pastor David and I are here too. Talk to us. Many years ago, I saw the light. Jesus saved me. And the light of life is available to everyone.